Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I feel a little bit like a ping pong ball because I've had back-to-back stuff, but I'm happy to be here and recording this. We have just been racing around today and seeing each other as like ships in the night. (laughs) It's been crazy today. You must be maybe a little bit nervous today because we probably have the first or second most favorite person guest that we're interviewing today that you could ever imagine. The infamous, my dad, Adam Main, is here in the studio with us. You're an active listener. What do you think of the podcast so far? What's been your biggest takeaway? The listening. The listening episode? (laughs) The The one where we talked about our relationship the most. And I feel like like from that episode, you and I have, well, I know I started working on it way before because we did that way before it got released. Doing that really challenged me myself with my dad. It has improved. And as I started doing that, that helped. And I don't know if you took anything from that with us specifically or just others. Well, it, it always does it really for me because listening has been something that, to be quite frank, I've not always been very good at. So I've kind of made it a lifelong project to continue to learn how to do that and improve on it. And by the way, since that episode, I have noticed you're listening and in the sense that when we talk about things, even when we disagree, we listen a lot more. And so we understand a lot quicker without there being any heat, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> we still have heat though. Yeah. But a different kind of, kind of a Tabasco heat. You know, I got to tell you, listening the world is a better place when people start listening to each other, especially people who don't agree. I know when I first stumbled across listening tests, and there's a couple of books that we actually, I think, have on the website, and I was convicted by it, absolutely convicted by it. I want to let you know, Adam, and everybody that's listening, that I planned on having you on the show before I even knew what role Sarah would play. So you're not here because you are Sarah's dad. That's a plus. <laughs> but that the reason for me is Ever since I met you, and you might have a better memory of when that was, you and I go back a long way, plus you go back to church with my wife, Sylvia, even before that, right? So we've got a long-term relationship, and I've seen you navigate sharing your faith in difficult places. You've taught that, you know, in in groups that we've had, because I've seen you do it so, so well, and the world is getting so much more complicated to navigate. So that's why, you know, I was thinking about, man, we've got to have Adam on there. Do you remember? Remember how we met? The first time we met was actually at the meeting where you come, we came to Foothills and then you had the, the lunch. That's where I remember we first met. It's amazing how many new people I'm meeting, but remembering you knew, that's, man, a hundred years ago. And the way that we met was so long ago, <laughs> I can't even remember it, but... I think you were a small child. Maybe. <laughs> maybe before that, I don't know. I, I remember it quite well, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. We should jump yeah. into this. We've got some good things to chew on it help some people with. Adam, can you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your professional path, and you know how you came to know the Lord and love Him so much? I have a college degree in counseling psychology, and I worked in the mental health field probably for more than 30 years now. So that's my professional background, because I really felt God called me to be a light and an influence in that area. And I had no idea how to do that at that time. I just said, okay, God, that's what I'm going to do. It was very good for me personally, yeah. but then it's been very rewarding to see how God has used me 
over the years through that career. Yeah, and it's so important that Christians are planted in places that are so, so hard like that. Tell about uh, a little bit about how you came to know the Lord. I was adopted at two years old, basically didn't have a father most of my growing up years, except for a short five-year period. After that time, I got very heavily into drugs at the age of 11 years old was involved in very deeply to the point, I don't call it, I just did drugs. I was actually into the drug culture and there's a whole world that goes with that, that I was involved in. And I got to the point when I was about 19 years old, where I came to the conclusion that I was, I was in and I would never get out, nor would I ever be free of my addictions. And I gave up. My life didn't go very well. Of course, it started going further and further downhill at that point. I started listening to a Christian radio station on a, just a little AM FM radio in my apartment, which is kind of odd because in my car, I would listen to, hard acid rock. <laughs> but in my apartment, I would listen to it because it, I found it really soothed, soothed my soul. The other did not. And there was a program on there where they would just play music. And during this particular hour program every day, they would give they would give the gospel, but in a very um, non-threatening or judgmental way and just talking about Jesus and how he wanted to bring peace into your life and, and these things. And uh, one day when I was listening, I kind of had an experience where it seemed like the guy on the radio was in the room. And he just simply said that, you know, if you didn't have Christ in your life, all you had to look forward to was an eternity without him. At that moment, I realized that I was going to a bad place, let's just say. I just threw myself on the floor and cried, confessed my sins to the Lord and said, uh, Lord, I've made a mess in my life. Maybe you can do a better job with it. <laughs> That's what I said to him at that time. And I just gave him everything. And I mean, at that moment, everything completely changed. Got up the next day and found myself completely delivered from all my drug addictions. Oh, praise God. And uh, it was a rough night, but I was completely free. So I cleaned house and he's been leading me forward ever since. I think the first time I shared Christ with somebody after that was two days later when I was washing clothes. I ran into a guy there and he was offering me some drugs. And I said, I don't need that anymore. I've got something better. And he goes, oh yeah, what? Oh, I said, I got Jesus. And he looked at me like, he didn't want to have any of it, but that's kind of was like the very first time I shared Christ with him. And I was just excited about what he had given me. Uh, it's so, so good. You didn't even wait until you had your theology degree and went through <laughs> seminary and all that. My I goodness. didn't even know any Christians at that point, actually. And you didn't go to church for like six months. You just started reading the Bible. I just started You didn't reading, know you're supposed to go to church. No, I just started reading the Bible and then li and I kept listening to that radio station and they had a noontime program where a, a pastor would, local pastor would come on and he would do a little devotion. And I was listening to that one day and I realized, Lord, I think I need to go to church. And his church was like six blocks away. Isn't it amazing how simple it really can be? I know that people struggle with fear and they struggle with, I don't know the answers and I'm going to mess it up. And I know that's just being human, but I also know it's the enemy going, yeah, you probably really mess this up. You should just shut up. But when you're new in the Lord and you just love them, you just share them and there you go and you're off to the races. I'm really interested in how that process of how you shared your faith has changed over the years as you learned it. Like you said, at first you didn't even know how to be a mental health counselor dude and you learned that, but you also have some lessons that you've learned in sharing your faith in, in maybe a challenging environment. When I first started working in the field, the very beginning I didn't share my faith, but I really wanted to. I'm sure a lot of what I did was not very wise. And one of the first lessons the Lord gave me is he just reminded me of this passage where the Lord says, to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. That came to mind. I was like, okay, well, how does that apply here? And so I didn't try to figure out the answer. I just asked the Lord to show me how that would work. And one of the things I learned right away was that there would be moments where the kids or adults or whatever would come up to me and ask me questions and would open the door. At those moments, I could share my faith. And as time went 
went along, um, sometimes I got, I actually got fired from my first job for sharing my faith by the program manager. But then the owner came along and rehired me immediately because he said that we, he shouldn't have done that, which was kind of strange, but it was something. So, um, and to clarify this environment that you worked in, it was very hostile towards sharing your faith. It's absolutely. not just like, oh, don't do it or keep it no. under wraps. It was very much high pressure. If you do this, you will be gone. That's it for yeah. you. And it's really bad too mm -hmm. in your field when you get fired. You know, it's a stain on your record. Yeah. Yeah. It plays mm -hmm. into a lot of job opportunities you might have in the future. So it's a big deal. Was that about 30 years ago? Yeah. It's actually better now than it was then because due to modern psychology at that time, faith, prayer, all these things were being completely rejected and not counted as any value. In fact, contrary. Wow. And so if you were talking about those things or doing those things, they frowned on it. And at that time, it could potentially be career ending. But I wanted to learn more about the actual rules the company had. And so I took the time to read their actual policies on such things. And what I discovered, and this is over time as well, is that all these different organizations I was working for had a policy about religion and about staff sharing it with people and so forth. And basically, almost all of these organizations, they had a clause in it that says, well, we, we do not want proselytizing. However, if in the course of your work, when you help a client or a resident, they ask you a question about religion, you're free to answer their question. When they ask, I could freely do that. And so I stopped trying to actively make it happen by just slurring out a conversation. And it was amazing to me. Many times I had brothers and sisters in the Lord that genuinely loved the Lord who came in and tried it the other way and they always got fired. They yeah. loved the Lord. They really meant well, but they did it in a way that was offensive to the rule. It violated the rule. So I tried to go along with the rule. In fact, as I practiced being wise, the Lord began to show me ways in how I could literally, without bringing up faith, steer clients into asking me questions. Mm you could naturally steer the conversation to such subjects. In the last 10 years, it got a lot easier because they want you to ask about their background. Do you go to church? Are you a religious family? And that's fine now where prayer and faith is valued now. So it's a lot, lot easier than it used to be. And you've actually been paid by your company to buy some of your clients' Bibles oh, yeah, now. Yeah. Can you give us a practical example of how you would, when you have to do this, where, okay, I can't bring it forward, proselytize, I can't just like throw it out there, but I can lead someone in this conversation to a place where they start asking me, can you describe what you would do in a situation like that very practically for us? One particular situation, I had a young man, he was, I think he was about 17 and he had a really big anger problem and he would dive into video games and avoid growing up. One day we were having a discussion and he just started talking to me about his anger. Sometimes it's, it, the Lord does it and it's, you know, just, it's hard to tell exactly how it came about, but I just just asked him about his family a little bit and his background. He started telling me about his, his family life and so forth. He seemed to realize that his anger was, was a problem for him and it was preventing him from literally growing up. And so I, I suggested, well, do you mind if I suggest something to you, you know, that might be helpful? He said, yes. So I talked to him about forgiveness. Now, he didn't tell me he forgave or anything like that, but I believe he did because two days later, he came walking out of the room and said, I'm never playing videos games again. It's time for me to grow up. And he was wasn't angry anymore, mm. completely changed. And he got all the program like in a month. And he went from being a kid to like a young adult. Wow. And so that that's one of the ways we do it because sometimes it's helpful, even if you can't necessarily share the gospel, if you give them a little bit of the kingdom and it helps them, you've given them what the gospel is all about. And that will lead to other conversations. It didn't in that particular case, but it completely changed his life.
it sounds like to me, and from other stories that you and I have shared over the years, I think you really are listening. I think a couple of reasons. And number one, it can be harder to listen at home <laughs> than, it, than necessarily <laughs> Don't call is. Us out oh, like that, that, sorry, it's <laughs> universal. But you've got to be listening to the Lord to be able to hear the opportunities that are right in front of you. Because sometimes you're supposed to engage and you're supposed to get that conversation generated. And other times you're just supposed to pray. The way you're describing all of this, you're asking questions and you're listening to their answers in a way that it just organically and naturally becomes a God conversation. There are a lot of varieties of industries and workplaces that have similar challenges or their own flavor of challenges. Uh, we talked recently with a couple of young guys that were really tech guys and how they did that. They were millennials, Adam. Millennials actually share their faith. It's That's amazing. It's shocking and wonderful. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> it was great to talk to them. But then, you know, other people are in education. Some mm -hmm. people are in Hollywood, you know, and there's all sorts of different challenges. Have you found some principles that have helped you develop the kind of approach you have and, and the fruit that you've seen from it? I think the very first step is to be willing to do it. And see yourself not just as some as having a job, but that you're there. Yeah, you are there to work and to provide for yourself or your families or both. But also to really see yourself on mission. You're there to give them Jesus. Yeah, and have that attitude. And I think it's important. I know for me, he challenged me at the beginning. Are Are you willing to lose your job to do this? And I said, Well, I don't know about that one, but okay. And <laughs> sounds like the, you're real honest with the Lord. I try to be because it doesn't work out well not to not be. He knows anyway. So but I, I've seen so many times where, you know, the Lord has looked out for me when I did. And I can't tell you I've I got called twice at one job into the office and asked a lot of questions about having done so. And I didn't do anything but what the Lord told me to do and I didn't violate any of the rules. And I was also a good worker. I think it's important if you're gonna have a job, be the best. Don't try to be better than somebody else. Just be your best, your best. That's the important thing. And, and so when they talked to me, we'd have a conversation about what, what I was doing and I'd tell them what I was doing. And usually they would sit there and look at each other and go, okay, well, thank you. And that was the end of it. That Good. Generally, I only had one person that tried to stop me completely. And I think I mentioned it before, told me don't ever share Christ with anybody for any reason. And I thought, well, there's the one I might lose my job. Came back in the next day, I think it was. And this person had gotten an injury, was not going to be able to return to work. I never had to face that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, a key thing. The other thing that I've learned more in recent times, and I think is really important at the beginning, I think I probably did it, but didn't realize is um, wherever you work and whatever you do, be genuinely who you are. Don't wear your Christianity on your sleeve and say, here, here it is, offend me. And don't hide it under your chest like it's not part of who I am. Just be who you are and let, let it come out. Let that light shine. Because I've found from experience that if you present as who you are and that's part of who you are, you're going to get people that may not like it, may not want to be that way, but they'll always accept you as you are. And that fact right there makes this whole thing so much easier. Yeah. Trying to be somebody else and comparing yourself to other people and stuff like that, it never works. Dad, one thing about the over 30-year period that you've been doing this is a lot of what you've done has been seed planting. So many seeds you've planted, and there was a long season where you didn't know if it was doing anything. Mm -hmm. Now, you've had the gift now where you've actually run into people, mm -hmm. kids that you talked to when they were 13, 14, 15, that are now walking with the Lord, and they remember you, and you run into them at church sometimes. 
times, mm-hmm. which is really cool. But I'd love for you to speak to people out there that, you know, they're planting seeds and maybe they're a little discouraged. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say to them? That's a really good question. And, and Sarah, you're absolutely right. I struggled for many, many t- good 20 of that 30 years with that whole concept because the number of people that I've led to the Lord is only a handful. And it was a great thing. But it took just took me a long time to realize that the scriptures talks about one sows, one waters, and one reaps, but God grants the increase. And at first I didn't understand it, but as I really studied that and came to understand what it's saying, all those parts are equal. They all have value and they're all necessary. And God's the one ultimately that gets them saved. We don't. And when I really, really understood that the primary role I was taking was seed planting and some watering a lot, and probably some watering I didn't know about, and understood that without it, you don't get a crop. Mm. It's not very glamorous. You know, you don't get a lot of notoriety for it, but it's absolutely necessary. And it does bring fruit because you mentioned some of the people that I've run into that were kids and I ran into as adults. I ran into 10 people and nine of them are walking with the Lord. Only one, it was a little unclear. And I was blown away. I was blown away because the Lord said, see, you had a role in that. Because if you don't plant the seed, you'll never have a crop. If you don't water it, the seed dies. And if you don't have a reaper, it rots on the vine. All parts are equal and just as valuable. And in this life, you may, nobody may say a lot about it. But I have a feeling when we get to heaven, you're going to hear all about it. Yeah. And everyone's going to know and you're going to have just pure joy. Yeah. It's hard to measure because you can, you know, when you're the one praying with them, you can measure it, but you always have to keep in mind there were other people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a process exactly like you described so well. And kind of the measurement of being on the front end and planting seeds and watering is just flat out obedience. And when you get to peek behind the curtain or he shows you the process and and the outcome of it, it's so gracious to do that. Another thing too, that I think it touches on when you were in that really hard, harder place in your career and you were like, okay, I've got to figure out how to do this. You went and read the manuals on the policies and all the stuff. Good point. And going back to our styles, the styles, you're very analytical and you're a little more on the confrontational scale, Mm -hmm. yet you have this empathy, you have this care, you listen well. How have you been able to do that? As a very analytical, you're not relational. That's not, I mean, you're you're relational, but it's not your strong suit. So how do you keep that analytical side of yourself from like overcoming the other stuff where you do it so well sharing your faith? Well, what the Lord has has taught me to do is that I can use the analytical to really, in a sense, put the information into the computer, so to speak, which I really (laughs) enjoy to learn learn about things. And you know some of that I'm even doing currently, learning about things, knowing the word and that kind of thing, and and then putting the information in and then saying, okay, I, I did that work, so there's something for the Lord to use, and then really trying to rely on Him in those moments to bring out whatever is necessary. And you're right, I can be very confrontational, and I had a few that. I, the confrontational would absolutely was was the right approach. Actually, I didn't use that that much, really. Most people, it's not confrontational. But uh, and then I could function more in a relational kind of a way. Not maybe not like you do, but more relational way in conveying what information I have in in a more common, natural, practical kind of a way. But it's a, kind of a trick, yeah, because it's easy for me to get real analytical. Analytical, you're right. Yeah, because you you <laughs> and mom tell me about how when you guys were first married and you would talk about the Bible and you would have differing things, mom would get mad at you yeah. for throwing the Bible at her. Right. So what's like one practical if someone's more in that place where they feel like they have to throw the Bible, they have to throw God's truth at someone, what would you say to that person? 
Well, I, one thing I'll speak for myself, that when I was, quote unquote, throwing the Bible at her, I was trying to win an argument. And I was using it as, I didn't realize it, but I was using it more as a weapon. I wasn't trying to understand what she was saying or, or even share just a differing point. And one of the things that I've learned to do is that, especially when it comes to sharing Christ with people, I'm not there to win. Yeah, I'm there to expose them to the truth and to what God has for them. It's a tool to give them the good news. I don't get into an argument. I share things in a way that it's it's going to be informational. And I always make sure that if I start to go down that road that I leave an out, mm. that they're not cornered, but they got the information. And I try to attach it to something that's practical in the moment that's useful. Yeah, And so that's how I've learned to change that. Because the Bible, when it becomes a weapon, it, that's where you get the people who say, well, they feel like they got hit over the head with the Bible. Yeah, That doesn't do any good. That doesn't bring anybody to the Lord. It just may actually reinforce their concept that God is angry with them and mean. Mm-hmm. You know, I am so so glad that Sarah told that story about you and her mom because like my final question for you is tell everyone a story about Sarah they would really like to know Sarah just a little (laughs) bit better so what would be a story that you think that our listeners would uh, enjoy hearing that's kind of tough we might have to take a little break on this (laughs) there's so many good stories I know my favorite story actually which I believed it but it was still shocking (laughs) was when she experienced accepted Christ because she was only two years old. That's what she says. I actually wasn't there, but I came home and Maggie said the most amazing thing happened. And I said, what? And she said, well, Sarah accepted Christ today. And I said, well, what happened? And she says, well, she looked at me and said, mommy, I want Jesus' love in my heart. I was amazed at that because it just showed me that what we had been demonstrating and other people had been demonstrating to her, she saw Jesus' love in her heart and she wanted it. And it was amazing to me that she was so young, I was totally caught off guard, although we were praying that it would happen. If you'd asked me, she'll accept it too. I said, no. But she genuinely genuinely did and you could really you could literally see the spirit of God in her because she could see in the spirit in different things and she under things started to understand things spiritually better it was real I I know for Maggie it was a little bit harder because it took her a little longer to realize that it too you actually could you always hear that even a little kid can believe well yeah they can and it'd be completely genuine and it's my favorite story about Sarah because I know for sure all in the years we spent raising her and teaching her and loving her and showing her the Lord with Without that, it would have been completely different. Yeah, for sure. Well, not quite John the Baptist in the womb, Sarah, but pretty good. Well, I think, too, the takeaway if you're a parent is that they did really well. One reason I got it so young is they lived what they preached. To be honest, we didn't do family devotions, like very Christian things you, you're supposed to have to do, but they lived it. And they set up an environment for me to know the Lord. And when I was old enough, where the brain cells were just old enough to get it, I got it. And I wanted it because that was what I knew and what I saw. And so, takeaway for parents, yeah. make sure you're really living it between yourself and God. You're dealing with your stuff. They didn't know how to be parents, really. They didn't None know what they did. were doing. No. No. <laughs> and they learned. And I'm thankful for you, Dad. And we're glad that you came on today. And the reason I'm able to add value doing this is because of you guys and because of the way I saw it and learned it from you. Yeah. Well, you did good, Dad. That's for sure. We love her. She's a gift. <laughs> Enough about Sarah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think you wanted a bad story of me. <laughs> 
How could there possibly be oh, a bad are. story, are, Sarah? But yeah. I'll tell you one thing to, to wrap it up today. It's really been fun. It really has. If our listeners have examples that they can share with us about sharing their faith in difficult places, I would love to hear that. So Facebook or Instagram page is a great place to do it. The other thing is just questions. Wait a minute. That sounded real easy, but what about? It's so important that we have this dialogue as a community that we're helping each other do exactly what Jesus called us to do the way he designed us, just like styles. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for listening today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you're on Apple or follow, depending on what platform, it's follow on Spotify. Yep. And we hope you have a great week. And remember, you are sent.